welcome to the Undercover Angel Podcast. Thanks for listening. Moving right along in the Undercover Angel Podcast, I there's been quite the delay in the uh, releasing of episodes between particularly Lessons 10, Episodes 10 and 11. The... Um, the release of the book was incredibly stressful. That's all I can say. It was very emotional. It was very, um, I had, I, I wasn't really prepared for the fallout and, um, of releasing something that is as naked and as vulnerable and as raw as this book is. And I got some quote unquote interesting feedback from a few different people. Most people really, liked it or were moved by it, and that's uh, truly an honor to have um, there be an impact, I guess. Um, but it was multifaceted. And as I just said, I wasn't quite prepared. So I took a little break and setting my sights on 2024 and what I would like to do with it, where I would like it to take me, what my intention is. Um, the, the release of the book was kind of an experiment to see if people would read it, and people have read it, which is, as I've said, an honor. So I'm going to continue. I had to kind of recalibrate, and this, I, I didn't like the way some of the podcast episodes sounded either, so I'm redoing a bunch of the episodes. But again, the purpose of this podcast is to um, <clears throat> get get the the reader slash listener present to what is happening behind the scenes in the life of an addict and what um, a lot of the groundwork that is laid for addiction looks like and the decisions that the inner child makes, the experiences the inner child has, what the inner child makes, uh, things that happen to him or her mean as he or she is growing up and and where these decisions and stories that the addict makes up about the world, about himself, herself, other people, and the, the world at large, what these sort of subconscious decisions or where these subconscious de- decisions lead. So we all make... We make decisions about the world, about ourselves, and about others at very, very early ages. At ages that are, you know, we're we're not aware that we're making the decisions. So, but, so we, so the damage that we're doing, we're not really aware that we're doing, or the damage that's been done, we're we're unaware of, and we don't particularly back then in the, you know, the early the early days uh, of the, the, the book, which took place in the 1970s. So the book does go all the way back to the 1970s, and there are these decisions I'm making, but there's nowhere to go with them. There are these feelings I have, but there's no way to articulate them. There are um, things that I need to say that I need support around but I don't know who to turn to. And you can't blame anyone. You can't, like, blame 
your parents. You can't, you know, that this was the 1970s. My, my parents were kids. They were 15 or 20 years, 20 years younger than I am now. And I'm still uncovering truths about what happened way back when. So the chapter on the rope, the chapter entitled The Rope, it was dealing with abandonment, so soul abandonment and attachment and the nature of attachment. And, And what was happening as um, I basically was separate, I was separated from my mother. I had become very much attached to my mother. And if you read that chapter, you will see that I was so excited. I was so excited to um, have my mom be a part of my class. I wanted everybody to meet my mom. My mom was the best mom that could ever be. She made the best pancakes and the best grilled cheese sandwiches and the best frozen pizzas. That's really what I thought, right? And, and my mom is the best mom that could ever be, by the way. Um, but what happened was there was a, a, an attachment that came, like an, an unhealthy attachment that came as a result of, uh, in, in a lot of ways, as a result of things that my mother had not worked out that are not her fault, not her fault at all. She's just trying to do life the best she can and and. If you meet me or my brother or my sister, you will notice that all three of us are very good-natured, and I owe that all to my mother and father. Side note, I just adopted the bad boy role forever. Anyway, um, so there was this unhealthy attachment. Now, there's a psychotherapist. His name is Sam Vlacken. Actually, Sam Vaknin, V-A-K-N-I-N. And you can follow him on YouTube. He's got literally thousands of videos. Yeah, he's got 1.3 thousand videos and 309,000 prescri- uh, subscribers. And pretty much any, th- it's, it's basically, his channel is basically like a graduate, graduate, graduate level psych- psychology course, psychotherapy course, um, fascinating stuff. I don't think that he goes into the realm of spirit really, which I find to be, I think that's, I think that that it's cool that it's secular for the most part. Um, you know, the side note, what distinguished Carl Jung from Sigmund Freud was that Carl Jung, um, he actually delved in the world of spirit. So he, he had a spiritual dimension to him that Freud did not have. And he was instrumental in the recovery movement for alcoholics back in, I believe, the ni- probably the 1940s, 1950s. He worked with Bill W. in, uh, you know, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, I pretty pretty extensively, and with a lot of the founders of that program. So, this guy Sam Vaknin, um, he's he has a video on borderline personality disorder and the way that the personality is formed. He's got so many videos. Um, I, I, I'll try to perhaps dig, dig the specific one I'm referring to up, um, but I did not. Keep, I lost track, so I apologize for that. But um, he basically says that when a, an infant and, a, and the 
the mother, the, that in the mind of an infant, in the being of an infant, there's very literally no separation between the infant and the mother. The infant just relates to the mother as part of itself. But it's, it's, it's like beyond that because just, it just is one, right? It just is one, one with the mother. It's one organism. And what happens is eventually the infant needs to be weaned, right? The infinite needs to be weaned away from the mother. And that the, the, the separation between the child and the mother forms a scar tissue. There's a scar tissue that remains there. And the scar tissue becomes the personality. So in other words, we are scar tissue. So the scar tissue becomes the formation of the personality. And personality disorders come from, uh, they, they, um, they result from wacky separations, basically. So when the separation doesn't go a certain way, the scar tissue can become like a little too much and what happens then is you get a personality disorder, like a borderline personality or one of like a schizoid personality disorder or any number of personality disorders. Now, I am, um, I'm, I'm really, para- I'm paraphrasing, so I would certainly encourage you to do your own research. But what I believe to have happened was that there was a, a wacky weaning in my life. And, and by the way, I've actually heard that personality disorders such as borderline are also genetic in nature, so you could be predisposed to it, and then the um, the conditions arise that then would lead that would then lead to the formation of said personality disorder. Now, I don't believe that I necessarily have a personality, a diagnosable personality disorder, but I do have. I, I'm very much prone to dysregulated emotional states. So my emotions can get dysregulated very, very quickly, and I can become emotionally intoxicated very quickly. And I, I, um, I talk about this later in the book. But back to the the rope chapter. So what was happening was there was this sort of symbiotic relationship between my me and my mother. And then what happened was it started to get it, the the separation, the separation of myself from her likely as the result of her unhealed stuff, so she was clingy, resulted in a wacky scarring, so like a wacky personality disposition or a wacky um, number of personality dispositions, right? And so when I showed up to, to school that day and my mother came into gym class and we were separated, I freaked out. And what I was experiencing there was soul abandonment. So it was as if my entire universe had betrayed me. So I said, I'd been betrayed, right? And, and what happened then was I, the only emotion that I have access to is anger. What I was really feeling was devastation and sadness. And I'm then made viciously wrong by the kindergarten teacher who I had also become attached to, another woman I become attached to. So I said she started out like the, the good witch in The Wizard of Oz, and she turned into the bad witch. And, and then she, like, shook me. She shook me, and she told me how, how bad I was, how terrible I was. 
this experience started to shape my worldview. And then what I did to overcompensate was when I finally went back into the gym, I climbed, the, I climbed all the way to the top of the rope. And I was five years old at the time. Like imagine how tall a rope is that goes to the, the ceiling of a gym. So what I was doing, it, like right now imagine how tall that is. So I was five years old and I remember just looking up at this rope and being like, I didn't have a plan to do it. Like I wasn't thinking at, as I was at the bottom staring up thinking that I would climb all the way to the ceiling, but I started moving and then it was just kind of like one step in front of the other, one hand in front of the other, one hand on top of the other. I went and I went and I went until the until the girder became closer and closer. And as I say in the it, the book, it everything froze. It was a, a still frame, silent motionlessness. I think is how I refer to it. And what I was essentially doing in that moment was trying to win back the love of my mother and teacher. So it was an overcompensation. Now again, this is all. Um, semi-speculation, but I've had a lot of therapy and I've done a lot of really deep recovery work. And my therapist several years ago basically validated this. And so you could argue that the, the sort of surfer, the kind of extreme person I was born to be, or it seems like I was born to be, was essentially rooted in this kind of overcompensation, which makes you wonder about all of the extreme players out there. And, you know, conversely, there's also a, you know, there's also like a spiritual component. Like I could not, I can't imagine not having become a surfer. I couldn't imagine not having discovered the skateboard. I couldn't imagine. It's like, it's, it's a part, it's like they were always a part of me. There was nothing to figure out about how to ride a skateboard. It was like, that's, that's the skateboard you get on, you get on it. Right. But then there's this, this kind of daredevilish component. Right, so I talk about the high dive here in uh, a little bit, a little ways down the road, but it all comes back to that attachment. This chapter was really about attachment and abandonment, attachment and abandonment, right? And so I become so attached that the slightest release, the slightest un, uh, the the slightest breaking of that bond resulted in devastation, emotional devastation, and soul abandonment. What I'm feeling is devastation, but the only emotion I have access to is anger and rage, right? So this is the part where I, I'm in a lot of ways becoming my grandfather who I've referred to for being the way that he was. So really, really fascinating stuff. And, and furthermore, we can't, there's nothing, you can't prove this stuff. We don't know if this is exactly what's happening. But what we can do is speculate to such a specific degree that when, we're, when we've painted the entire picture, things just present themselves as truth or the truth becomes apparent. So thanks a lot for listening to episode 11, Undercover Angel Podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.